Well, I want to begin by saying good morning to uh, those of you who are watching online and those of you who are here uh, in the building to show you that I'm right with God, filled with the Spirit. Let me just begin by saying, go dogs! So, with that in mind, uh, just a couple of real quick announcements. First of all, I hope many of you joined me in fasting yesterday. We've asked our church for four Sabbaths. Sabbath is on Saturday. So from sundown to sundown, Friday to Saturday, we're asking our people to fast and to pray. And I don't mind telling you, it was a powerful time for me yesterday in so many ways because I got hungry. I don't mind telling you, I got hungry. Matter of fact, I went to order food late yesterday afternoon for Teresa, and she had a little surgery last week. So went to order food, and it was about 4 o'clock. And I'm waiting on the food. It's a Cajun place. And so the guy trying to be good to me, he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's a strong believer. And so he came out and he said he had a hot beignet. And he said, uh, Pastor, I know you've been waiting for a while. Here's a beignet. And I said, Brother, I can't eat it. Put it in the box. He said, why not? I said, well, can't tell you why, but I'll, I'll eat it when it gets dark. He thought that was kind of weird. But anyway, uh, I hope you will join me in prayer and fast. If you want to know more about it, it's another website, crosspointchurch.com slash fast. And then, listen carefully. I want you to do this for me. Invite somebody to church next week, and not just somebody, not just anybody, somebody that's far from God, somebody that's not in church, somebody that's not, maybe has no religious affiliation whatsoever. That's your assignment. Please do that. Let me tell you why. I'm beginning what, if you said to me, you will be dead at the end of this month, what will you preach? I would preach what I'm going to preach the next three weeks. The title of my series is What Say You? We're going to, I'm going to ask you the three most important questions that you have to answer. Everybody answers it. Whether they want to or not, like it or not, realize it or not, they do answer this question. And the way you answer that question will determine everything from how you live your life to the kind of life you live to what happens to you after you go. So I want you to make sure, please invite someone to be here beginning next week. Now, of all the modern marvels and all of the advances we've seen, and we've seen two of the greatest inventions in, our, in the history of the world in our lifetime, the computer and the cell phone. I've lived to see both of those things come into existence. But there's one thing we've never been able to figure out. Nobody's been able to invent a time machine. Nobody's ever been able to show us, hey, how can we travel back to the past? But I want you to imagine, what if somebody finally was able to do that? What if we were really able, somebody invented a machine and you could go back to the past? What, what would you like to see? Maybe you'd like to see Abraham Lincoln deliver the Gettysburg Address. Or maybe you would like to see George Washington cross the Delaware. Maybe it would be Alexander Graham Bell saying the very first words on any telephone. Maybe it would be watching the Wright brothers take off on the very first flight in history. But today I want to suggest something that probably wouldn't make your list. It's probably something you would never, ever think about, except maybe if you believe that Jesus really was God in the flesh. Because what I would love to go back and see may be the single most amazing picture of Jesus in all of the Gospels. Because Jesus did something that no self-respecting Jew would do. He did something no, Jew, no Gentile would do unless you were forced to do it or you were the lowest rung on the social ladder. As a matter of fact, what Jesus did was so unbelievable that when people saw him do it, it wouldn't have caused them to believe he was the Son of God. It would have convinced him he was not the Son of God. Because when they saw Jesus do that, they would have automatically said, Ha! You can't be God. Because God would never, ever do something like this. 
Jesus knew that the Father had given him complete power. He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. So he rose from the table, took off his outer garment, and tied a towel round his waist. Then he poured some water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. If you believe Jesus really was God that spoke this world into existence, there's something in your psyche that says that doesn't fit. That just doesn't seem right. And I want you to turn to a gospel called John. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to turn to John chapter 13 because we're going to read about this story. What you're going to learn today is it's more than just about washing dirty feet. You say, well, how do you know that? Because of what Jesus said. He said to the disciples, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Because as amazing as the disciples obviously were at Jesus washing dirty feet, that's really thought they all, that all, that's all that Jesus did. He just washed their feet. But Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. There's a far deeper meaning and a far deeper message to what I'm doing. Because I'm not primarily talking about your feet. I'm talking about your heart. I'm not talking about just what you do. I'm talking about why you do it. As a matter of fact, you know, he really was illustrating the secret to being great and being successful, to make the greatest impact with your life that you possibly can. If I were to say to you, do you want to be great? Do you want to be successful? Do you want your life to count? If I were to say to you as a parent, do you want that for your children, you grandparents? Do you want that for your grandchildren? Say, absolutely. I want my kids to fulfill their potential. I want my grandchildren to be everything they can possibly be. All right, let me tell you the secret. Here it is. You got to grab a towel and you got to find somebody's feet. If you want to have a heart for God, if you want to be what God wants you to be, do what God wants you to do. To the day you draw your last breath, you ought to have a towel in your hands. That really is the secret to greatness. And you know, I realized that. And I realized something else. As I'm reading this, I was thinking about, you know, we want to be served. We just born that way. For, for Christmas, let me tell you something, Teresa, differently. I've never done it before. Don't laugh at me. She took me to have a manicure and a pedicure. I, I've never done that. I'll be honest with you. I've never done it. And I really wasn't real comfortable with, with a lady messing with my feet. I mean, it's kind of, a, kind of a, a, a different deal. But you know what? After I got a manicure and a pedicure, man, was I cured. <laughs> it was awesome. And I'm telling you, you know what I realized? I thought, you know why I really enjoyed that? Because deep down, I'm like all of you. I like to be served. Why do we like to go out to eat? Not just for the food. We like to be served. And yet Jesus comes to earth. He had a totally different agenda. Here's what Jesus said. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So I want to talk to you today about something that's foreign to some of us. 
something that some of us run from, some of us that try to excuse ourselves as to why we don't do it. And I want to tell you, it's not just the secret to being great. It's really the key to being happy. It's really the key to being full of joy. So let's see what it means to grab a towel. Here's what it means. Number one, it means you see the moment of service. If you want to grab a towel, you've got to see the moment of service. Now, we're in John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour would come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Now, let's set this up. You think Jesus had a lot on his mind right now? He's going to be crucified. He's going to die for the sins of the world. He's going to be separated from his father. From the time that boy was born, he knew this day was coming. It's probably something he thought about when he went to bed, thought about when he got up every morning. He dreaded every day of his life. And now that moment was here. That moment had come. And nobody could have blamed Jesus if, if that moment he'd been thinking about himself and focusing on, on himself and worried about himself. But then you read these two verses. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So what does he do? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Now, you talk about the classic oxymoron. Jesus knows I've got power over everything. I've got authority over everybody. I've come from God the Father. I'm going back to God the Father. I know I'm God the Son. I can do anything I want to do. So what does he do at that moment? Does he bark out orders, give commands, demand that his needs are met, ask for one last medicure and pedicure? Does he ask to be served the last meal? I mean, after all, he's going to die. Everybody deserves a last meal. So does he ask for a last meal? No, you know what he does? He grabs a towel and prepares to kneel down and wash dirty, grimy, stinky, smelly, ugly, filthy feet. And he was willing to do for his disciples something that they wouldn't even do for themselves, much less him. Now, I get it. You say, well, today we don't have to be concerned about, you know, dirty, smelly feet. That's true, because we wear socks and shoes that cover our feet, but it wasn't, back to, it wasn't that way back 2,000 years ago. Back in that day, People didn't wear shoes. They either went barefoot or they wore sandals. And unlike us today, they didn't walk on paved streets and sidewalks. They walked in dirt and they walked in mud. So whenever a guest would come to a home, they'd take their shoes off. And guess who would wash their feet? A slave, a servant, the lowest person on the rung on the ladder. Now remember something else. These disciples weren't just sitting on the floor. That's not the way people ate back in that day. They actually ate reclining. They would be lying like this on their elbow, and they'd be eating probably with their fingers. And the way, the way it happened, if you were in a close room like they were and you had a lot of people, guess what? Somebody's feet was always close to somebody's face. So you didn't have to tell people there was dirty feet in the room. Everybody saw it. Everybody smelled it. Everybody knew it. Everybody's feet needed washing. Now, normally in a hired banquet room like these disciples had, you would have an attendant. You'd have a slave or a servant. But evidently, there was nobody there to do that. But instead of seeing the moment of service that obviously needed to be done, instead of seeing these feet need to be washed, what did the disciples do? 
They did what I've done a lot in my own life. <laughs> they pinched their nose. They clenched their teeth. They closed their eyes. They held their breath. And they left everybody's feet unwashed. Now, the obvious question you have to ask is, with all these disciples in this room, why didn't at least one of these disciples, you got 12 shots, why didn't at least one of these 12 disciples says, we need to wash these feet? Because let me remind you, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to go from hero to zero, from cheers to jeers, from life to death. So why was it, listen to this, all that was on his mind, why was it with everything he's got before him, he could see dirty feet, but the other disciples couldn't. It's the same thing that's our problem today. The disciples were looking in a mirror. Jesus was looking through a window. They were looking at themselves. Jesus was focused on them. They were looking out for number one. He was looking out for numbers one through 12. So I want to look all of us in the eye, including myself, and, and I just want to say this, and I'm just being very straightforward. If we're really going to make a difference in our community, our neighborhoods, our schools, our businesses, our nation, our world, we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on somebody else. We need to see the hurt and the hopelessness and the helplessness and the heartache that's all around us and see it not as a problem, but an opportunity to be used to touch others and change lives for the glory of God. So what is the first step to grabbing a towel? You just see the moment of service. And by the way, every day, if you'll just be watching, I, this happens every day. One of the things I pray every day is, Lord, give me the chance to serve somebody. It never fails. I get that chance every single day. See the moment of service. But it's not enough just to see the moment of service. Then you've got to seek the ministry of service. You mean, you got you to get after it because service will always say these words. Let me tell you what service will always say to you. You ready? Don't just sit there and do something. Don't just sit there, do something. Well, Jesus heard the call, he answered it. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. Now, Jesus, he, literally, he does this. He takes off his outer garments, stretched down to his undergarments. He leaves his legs and upper body totally bare. Guess what he looks like at that moment? Guess who? Can somebody tell me what he looked like? A slave. He looked just exactly like a slave. And he takes a towel, and he begins this unbelievably mundane, menial, humiliating task of washing feet. You know, we talk about throwing in the towel. Jesus was picking up the towel. And oh, by the way, to wash somebody's feet, you got to get down low. You got to get down on the floor. You got to get down where it's dark and it's dank and it's dirty. It is not a pleasant job. But Jesus takes up the towel. Now, if you know anything about the disciples, you know what they were always arguing about, right? Who's the greatest? Who goes, who's going to get sick? Who's, who's going to sit next to Jesus in the kingdom? Who's going to be on the front row? Who's going to get their name in the paper? Who's going to get called out? Who's going to have the top rung in the ladder? I guarantee you, before these feet were washed, I guarantee you, they were arguing about who ought to be washing those feet. I mean, can you just imagine 
the following conversation. Can you just imagine? Peter, why don't you wash feet? Oh, I can't. I keep my feet in my mouth. <laughs> James, will you wash feet? I don't do feet. Bartholomew, how about you? I'm off the clock. Andrew, would you do it? Feet make me sick. John, you'll do it, won't you? Watch this. Oh, I'm too busy loving on Jesus. Let me just stop right there. See, I wish I could serve, but I have to go to worship. I knew I'd be quiet. I'm just saying. Nathaniel, what say you? Here's another one. I'm retired. It's someone else's turn. I did my nursery duty. I ain't doing that no more. I taught teenagers. I'm out of that. Here's another one. Judas. You could do it, couldn't you? Not me. I got an appointment. I got to leave soon. All kinds of, of excuses. But here's the bottom line. No matter how you slice it and dice it, what that picture shows just isn't right. What is right about the clean, perfect hands of the Son of God washing the dirty feet of sinful men while they sit there and let it happen? Now, we all know what's wrong with this picture. The disciples ought to be washing his feet. But all the time that they're arguing, all the time they're holding their nose, all the time they pretend it's not there, all the time their head is stuck in the sand, the towel lies on the floor, the water sits in the basin, the smell of dirty feet fills the air, and nobody does anything. Nobody's willing to grab a towel except Jesus. Today, let's be honest. Our churches are filled with people who sit and soak and sour, but they don't serve. And just let me tell you, save your excuses. I've heard them all. There's a cabinet full of reasons why we can't serve, we don't serve, we won't serve. But has it, has it ever occurred to you that the last thing Jesus did with his very last breath was serve us by dying on the cross? Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus died taking care of our needs? That's why one of the parts of the cross-shaped life we teach in our church is to serve. And see, here's the key. Here's the key. Let me just make sure. Let me just back up and make sure. Let me kind of put on the brakes here. Because I can tell some of you deep down, you're kind of wanting to do this. You're going, good gosh, he has just beaten the stew out of me. That's not my purpose. I'm not trying to intimidate you into serving. I'm not trying to guilt you into serving because that's not why you ought to serve anyway. Let me just be very upfront. If you truly have the heart of Jesus, I won't have to beg you to serve. You'll come ask us to serve. If, I, if you truly have the heart of Jesus, I don't have to come looking for you and say, we need help. You'll come looking to us and say, where can I help? And by the way, this goes far beyond literal foot washing because listen to what Jesus says in verse 15. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that word as, this is very important, that word as is a Greek word that literally means according as. In other words, Jesus was not saying, okay, now every day you ought to go find somebody's dirty feet and wash it. That's not what he was saying. It's not another ritual we ought to be doing. What he was saying was, I'm not saying do the very thing I'm doing. He's saying, I want you to think the very way I'm thinking. 
If you'll have the attitude of service, the action will take care of itself. What Jesus was saying was just about, just start thinking about others first. Always seek the ministry of, thir- of service. But now let me just say this. Why did Jesus use washing dirty feet as an example for us? Why did he use that to talk to us about service? Well, here's why. There was nothing back in that day that you could do that was more disgusting, degrading, and demeaning than washing somebody else's feet. And I think what Jesus was trying to tell us is this. Always remember, no act of service is ever beneath anybody. Whether it's changing dirty diapers in a nursery, parking cars in the middle of July, taking time out of your busy schedule to work in our children's meeting and teach kids the Word of God, to make time to come out on a Wednesday night and invest in our teenagers, invest in our ministry there, who are the true future of our church. So what Jesus is saying is this. Once you see the moment of service, pick up the towel and seek the ministry of service. Now, I'm so glad there's another part of this story because, as I've already told you, I can't make you serve. I can't force you to serve. I'm not trying to guilt you into serve. That's not my purpose at all because it's not going to last anyway. So let me now give you the secret. Let me tell you how I will know you're going to pick up a towel. You will see the moment of service. Nobody will have to tell you. You'll see it. You will seek the ministry of service. Nobody will have to beg you to serve. You'll want to serve. If, everybody ready? Say, I'm ready. If you surrender to the master of service. Once you surrender to the master of service, oh, you'll see the moment and you will seek the ministry. Let me tell you, this, this story is about to get a lot deeper, and now it's about to get a lot more interesting. It's really kind of funny how this plays out. Now, now watch what happens. He came to Simon Peter. By the way, it's not coincidental. He, I know why he went to Peter first. You'll see in a minute. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Now, you would expect of all people, if you know anything about the disciples, who would be the one you would think would object, right? It'd be Peter. Right? It would be Peter. How many of you have ever heard of, how many, how many of you either have or you've heard of people that have acid reflux? How many of you know someone like that? All right. Peter didn't have acid reflux. He had idiot reflex. Okay? He had idiot reflex. Okay? He says to Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus may have thought about probably saying, you better let me because you're about to put it in your mouth. Because if you know anything about Peter, you would think the only time Peter ever opened his mouth was to change feet. Right? I mean, I just, that was just Peter. But Jesus is about to do for Peter what Peter would have been doing for him when the following exchange takes place. Watch this. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And I'm here to tell you that, that got his attention. Whoa, 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 time out. Let's don't get too serious about this. Well, what, what do you mean? I mean, no part with you. I mean, it shook Peter to the core of his brain. I mean, it really got his attention. You say, how do you know? Because here's what Peter does. Peter, he's, he's an extremist. He's always never in the middle. He always goes one extreme to the other. So first he says, you ain't going to wash my feet. Bad grammar, poor theology. You ain't going to wash my feet. And then look what he says. Well, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Now Peter goes from saying, You are not going to wash my feet to saying, we'll both get in the tub with a rubber duck. I want you to bathe me completely, totally over. 
Now Jesus makes a key statement. Watch this. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And by the way, I can pretty much say that every place I preach, particularly on Sunday morning. You are all clean, but probably not all of you. Well, what did he mean? Well, it's obvious that Jesus was moving from a physical illustration of washing dirty feet to a spiritual truth of cleansing a dirty heart. Because in the Greek text, there's a separate word from the word bath and the word wash. They are two totally separate words. The word bath is a Greek word that literally means to bathe the entire body, top to bottom. The word wash is another Greek word. It means to wash a part of the body. Now, we all know there's a difference between taking a bath and just washing your feet, right? We know that. However, what Jesus is saying is, hey, Peter, that's not just true physically. That is all true, also true spiritually. So what did Jesus mean when he said, Peter, you don't need a bath. You're clean. I just need to wash your feet. Here's what he was saying. Watch this. This is so beautiful. He said, look, when you come to me and you surrender to me as the master of your life, and you trust me as your Savior, and you give my life, and you allow me to become your Lord, and you confess you're dirty from top to bottom. You confess you need a bath. You know what I do? I bathe you completely clean, top to bottom. I bathe you in my grace. I bathe you in my love. I bathe you in my mercy. I bathe you in my forgiveness, and you are totally clean. As a matter of fact, you know, many times in the Bible, sin is compared to dirt. And salvation is referred to as being washed or being cleansed. So here's what Jesus is saying. This is the real simple lesson. You ready? Even a nine-year-old kid now can understand what Jesus was saying. Salvation is to the soul what a complete bath is to the body. Can I get an amen to that? Salvation is to the soul what a complete bath is to the body. So when I came to Jesus as a nine-year-old boy in a theater 30 miles from here, I didn't understand it all. I didn't know exactly what happened. I do now. I got a bath, a complete bath in his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness. And I walked, out, I walked into that theater dirty from top to bottom. I walked out of that theater clean from top to bottom, clean forever and ever and ever. Just like you can. Just like I did. But then, the, the, this helps us understand now what Jesus says in the next two verses. Okay, this is really brilliant. And you're clean though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Okay, you know this. Who is he talking about? Judas. In other words, all the disciples were clean except one. All the disciples were saved except one. All the disciples had trusted in Jesus except one. They were all completely clean except one. Now watch this. Eleven of them had dirty feet. One of them didn't just have a dirty feet, he had a dirty heart. And it was Judas. Did you know what the amazing thing is? If you'd lived with him for three years, and you'd walked into that room, and Jesus had said to you, pick out the dirty one, you couldn't have done it. As a matter of fact, if you'd lined all the disciples up and tried to pick out the traitor, you would have never picked Judas. You know why? He was the treasurer. He was so trusted by the other disciples, they let him even manage the money. 
And the problem was, just like people here, you look the same on the outside, but you're not the same on the inside. You've been washed, but not bathed. I read a story about a mother who told her little boy one night to go take a bath. And he said, Mom, would, would you just let me wait and take a bath in the morning? She said, no, you always take your bath at night. You're not going to put this off. Go take your bath. Well, he, he literally began to beg his mother. He said, Mama, please, 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 please let me take my bath tomorrow morning. Don't make me take my bath tonight. And the mom said, I don't get it. What is the big deal about taking your bath in the morning? What's the problem? He said, well, Mom, ever since school started, every day the teacher asked, how many of you have had your bath today? And I haven't been able to raise my hand all year. And here's what's so sad. So many people today focus on the outside and not on the inside. I'll ask people to, you know, become a Christian, become a believer in Jesus. And I'll hear things like this. Yeah, I need to start going to church. Yeah, I know I need to be baptized. Yeah, I know I need to try to live a better life. Yeah, I know I need to give up my drinking and my smoking and my pornography and my cussing. You know what the problem is? They're dealing with the outside. God doesn't deal with the outside. God deals with the inside. Let me quote from my friend J.D. Greer. I want you to listen to this. He used to serve in the Middle East in a Muslim country. He said, Muslims follow an extreme washing process, wudu, and it precedes the prayers that they pray. Wudu is designed to cleanse the worshiper from all defilement and sin. They wash their hands up to their wrists three times. They rinse their mouths three times. They cleanse their nostrils by sniffing water Three times. They wash the face from forehead to chin and from ear to ear. They wash the forearms up to their elbows three times. They pass a wet hand over the whole of the head. They'll wash their feet up to their ankles three times. First the right foot, then the left. If the Muslim comes into contact with any type of defilement, which is called najis, after they wash and before they pray, they've got to go and do the whole thing all over again. This is so sad to me. And if we have Muslims watching right now, we do. I want to commend our Muslim friends. I want to, you, you have a desire to be clean. I get it. What I want you to under, understand is this illustrates the beauty of Christianity. Because once you allow Jesus to bathe you, you never have to take a bath again. You are absolutely, completely, totally clean. However, you know what the problem is, right? Our feet still get dirty. Our feet still get dirty. Because it doesn't matter how hard you try, you know what you're going to do every day. You're going to pick up sin in your life. You cannot put your feet down in the world that we live in without kicking up dirt somewhere. It may be the thoughts that go through your mind, the words that come out of your mouth, doing things you ought not to do, not doing things that you ought to do. We all get dirty feet. Some of the greatest people in the Bible had dirty feet. Noah had dirty feet, Abraham had dirty feet, David had dirty feet, Peter had dirty feet, Paul had dirty feet. Everybody got their feet dirty, but none of them had to be bathed, they just had to be washed. And there hasn't been a day in my life since I took a bath with Jesus, I didn't need a foot washing. We're all in the same boat, we all pick up this sin. I love what Dr. Rogers said about Judas. He, this is really cool, here's what he said about Judas. He had been starched, he had been ironed, but he'd never been bathed. He'd been starched. He'd been ironed, but he'd never been bathed. And see, this is what's so beautiful about Jesus. 
You can be covered with all the dirt and all the filth and all the stench of sin. But you know what? Jesus will not only bathe you in his saving grace, but then you know what he does the rest of your life? Every time you get dirty feet, every time you blow it, every time you mess up, every time you foul up, every time you fall short of what you know he wants you to do, you know what he still does today? He gets on his knees and he takes a towel and he says, you know, if you'll confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to take a towel and I'll wash your feet and I'll cleanse you from that sin. He is still in the business of taking up a towel. And you know what? Once you realize what he's done for you the first time, and once you, once you realize what he does for us every single day of our life, I'll tell you how you'll really know it, love it, and appreciate it. You want to look for a towel. You want to grab a towel. You want to find somebody else's feet and wash them in the love of service. Let me wrap this up. I got an email about two and a half months ago from a young man in our church. He's one of our top, real sharp young men. And in fact, I mentored him. It's an email that I wish I would get from somebody in our church every single day. Here's what it said. Hey, Doc, it's been on my heart lately that I need to get back into serving. Through prayer and meditation, I've identified a few areas where my skills and interests align, and I think God could use me in a powerful way. And then he went on to list three specific areas where he could serve. He said, look, I, I, I could serve on your production team. I could play in your band. I can work with high school students or college students or young career age students because I've done that before. I can even help edit communication in our church. You know what I love about our staff? It was like a shark to meet when I gave them his name. And he's serving right now because you know what he really said? I can summarize that email up in four words. I'm grabbing a towel. That's what he said. I'm grabbing a towel. There's so many ways and areas where you can grab a towel. In fact, we've already said it. I'm going to say it one more time. Just go to crosspointchurch.com forward slash serve. That's it. Go to crosspointchurch forward slash .com forward slash serve. So here's the question. Real simple. Real practical. There are dirty feet everywhere. There's dirty feet in every square inch of this facility that we meet in. There's dirty feet out there away from our church. The question is, will you today no longer sit, no longer soak, not only sour, will you serve? Will you grab a towel? Because if Jesus did, so can we. Would you pray with me right now? With heads bowed and with eyes closed. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not asking you to serve him because you're not ready to serve him. Before you're ready to serve Jesus, you need to know Jesus. You need to love Jesus. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. But I feel compelled to ask this. I'm not trying to make anybody doubt anything. I'm gonna, I want to help you affirm something. I wonder how many of you You've been ironed, and you've been starched, but you've never been washed. 
I wonder how many of you, just being honest, you struggle with your relationship with God. You, you wonder why. Well, I, I filled out a card. And I walked down an aisle. I even got baptized. But there's never been a change in my life. The one thing I knew that night in that theater, I've told you this a thousand times. I knew the kid that walked out of that theater was not the kid that walked into that theater. And I just wonder if there's anybody here today and you'd say, man, I could have been that treasurer. But I don't know Jesus. I've never been born again. And all I can say to you to this is if, if that is you, you can walk out of here the same way you walked in. You walk out of here unsure. You can walk out of here knowing, yeah, I know I'm not right with God. Or you can walk out of here today for the first time knowing I've been bathed. I am clean from top to bottom. How? Because I confess to Jesus I'm dirty and I need to be bathed. I can repent and turn away from my dirt and my sin. I can recognize Jesus as the only way I can be clean. And I can receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if you feel like you need to do that, tell him that right now. Just in your own words, just tell him. What would you say to Jesus right now? If you wanted him to clean you from top to bottom and you'd want to make sure you were clean, what would you tell him? Whatever it is, tell him. That's what I did when in that theater. If you're watching right now on your computer or watching on a cell phone or watching by television, you did that. You realized that you needed a bath and you've never had one. And today you got one. I, here's what I want you to do. If you're watching right now, if you're watching this, this ministry, we want to hear from you. We want to help you. Now, once you take a bath, we want to help you to learn how to pick up other, a, a towel yourself. We want to help you grow in your faith. So here's what I want you to do. Either go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision, or if you've got a cell phone right now, just text JESUS, capital J, to 678-255-2566. That simple, that easy. Let's say you're in this building, and you said, you know, I didn't realize this would happen to me when I came in, but man, I'm not going to die ironed and starched and not washed. I won't die that way. Today I gave my life to Christ. Today I asked Jesus to give me that bath. Today I asked Jesus to clean me from top to bottom. And I'm walking out of here clean and know I'm clean. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You're not ashamed to do this. You won't be mind doing it. When you walk out of these doors, I want you to go to a table right outside in our lobby. It's right in the middle. It's called Connection Point. I want you to walk up to that table. Here's what I want you to say. Today I took a bath. Just joking. No, today, I let Jesus wash me from top to bottom. Today, I gave my life to Christ. Today, I surrendered to Jesus as my Lord. Something like that. That's all you need to do. That's it. Here's what will happen. They'll know why you've come. They'll know what you need. They know the information that you need to take with you, and you'll be on your way out the door. Now, there's some of you, you say, oh, I've been bathed. I've been saved. I've, I know Christ. Really? You know what's interesting? Water is so important to Jesus that after you get bathed, guess what? He wants you to get baptized. You know why he wants you to be baptized? You know why? That's the way you show everybody you've been bathed. 
That's the way you profess your faith. Some of you here have never followed Jesus in believer's baptism since you got bathed. Matter of fact, what happened with you is you got your baptism before your bath, and the baptism doesn't count until you take the bath. So I'm going to ask you to go out to that table. And what you need to say is, you know, I've, I've trusted Christ. I've been born again. I've been saved, but I've never been biblically baptized. And then there's some of you here today, you know what you need to do? You need to join this church. You've been coming for a while, but you've never joined. You know why you need to join? So you can begin to really serve and get involved in this church. So you can pick up your towel. Lord, this is my prayer for our people. One of the greatest ways they can serve is every week answering the question, who's my one? Who's that one person that doesn't just have dirty feet? They are dirty from top to bottom. They need the water of the grace and the love and the mercy of God, and I've got the bowl that has it. And Lord, I pray that our church, no matter how old we get, no matter how busy we think we are, we'd always be looking for a towel to serve people inside and outside of our church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the example that you set. Lord, let me live and let me die with a servant's heart. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.